0: Welcome friends to another r slash malicious compliance video. We've got a lot of great stories today, and our first story of the day is by Celestine Noxa. Want me to vacuum your hand? Okay. This happened when I was a kid, maybe 11 or 12 years old. We had a black lab puppy named Ralph. At first we kept him inside, but once he got bigger and more destructive, they ended up putting him outside to be an outside dog. This is the country in the south, so while it's not the safest for pets, it's not unusual in this area. One day, when he was still an inside puppy, Ralph got a hold of some kind of paper. I forget what kind, but something like paper towels or toilet paper. Whatever it was, he shredded it all over the living room carpet. My stepdad was pretty angry about it, but puppy gonna puppy, right? Since technically Ralph was my puppy, he was a gift to me for Christmas, but they named him and he was really their dog, my stepdad insisted I vacuum up the shredded paper. This is a story for another subreddit, but let's just say my whole family's curse when it comes to vacuum cleaners. I take out the vacuum, plug it in, turn it on, and start running it over the shredded paper. It's definitely on, but I can tell after just a few swipes that it's not picking up anything. I turn it off and tell my stepdad, who grumbles and tells me to turn it back on and try again while he watches. I do. It's still not picking anything up. He tells me to tilt it back so he can see what the mechanism is doing while it's on. I do. That apparently isn't enough. The next thing my stepdad does is place his hand flat on the carpet and he tells me, a 12-year-old, to run the vacuum over his hand so he can feel whether it's sucking or not. I'm 12, but I'm pretty sure this is a bad idea. I say, uh, are you sure? He says, yeah, go on. I'm still sure it's a bad idea. But I'm 12 and he's my stepdad and he's a jerk most of the time anyway. So I mentally shrug and proceed to do what he told me to do. Immediately he shouts and pulls back and I can already see there's blood on his hand. He's cursing and holding his hand and obviously in a lot of pain. Three of his fingers start swelling and turning purple almost instantly and he's bleeding from at least two of them. He ends up losing two of the fingernails. Later, my mom came home from work, and I ran outside to tell her the story first to make sure she knew it was not my fault. To his credit, this was one of the very rare times my stepdad admitted it was his own fault, and I was just doing what he told me to do. He was more than a jerk, he was abusive in basically every way it's possible to be abusive, so losing two fingernails painfully is the least of what he deserved. If you found yourself in a situation like this, where you can just tell it's a terrible idea, but the person on the other end says, No, no, it's fine. I want you to. Do it. Go. Are you going to go through with that? Or would your convictions about it be too strong? Let me know about you guys in the comments down below. Our next story is from Kothor. Sprawing goes the shocks. So, once upon a year, I used to work for a large hardware chain that had aprons that beautifully matched my pumpkin-esque figure. I worked in a busy flooring department and could share many a story, but the most delightful came from people overestimating the abilities of their vehicles. Pros would come in with appropriate vehicles and expectations, while DIYers would occasionally come in with a disdain for apron associates. Our location had seen enough such DIYers come through that we had a cover-your-butt form we'd developed. Well, one fine day, a man came in, in a rush, and demanded the promptest of service, was annoyed at any and all project advice, and took offense when we'd offered delivery service. He'd chosen a nice slate tile, and wanted a pallet for his house. We did up the sale, and brought the pallet to the drive-up area. He pulled up in his new Ford F-150. No reinforced trailer, just the truck. That truck can carry roughly 2,000 pounds, give or take. The pallet was about 3,800 pounds. I told him that we would need to break open the pallet. He could take half right away, and the other half later. The man went ballistic. They could hear him back in lighting. After some back and forth, and a few other managers coming by, and strongly advising him that his truck could not take the pallet, he was screaming and foaming at the mouth. I shrugged, grabbed the form, discussed the portion saying he was ignoring our advice, And he absolves our company and its employees of any responsibility for the outcomes. He signs it, settles down, and our forklift starts to bring the pallet down on this poor truck. Once the shocks had bottomed out, I called for the forklift operator to stop, showed the guy, the operator confirmed only half of the load weight had been transferred, and we gave him a final chance to reconsider. No such luck. I indicated for the forklift driver to continue, and there was no immediate catastrophic failure. The customer thinks we're all morons, while nearly everyone in the store, including many a chuckling pro customer, is hanging out in the doors watching. The guy gets in his truck, calling out a thanks to us expletive 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 morons, then drives a whole six feet before blam, shocks blue and his rear axle bent in a bit. He came out screaming at us while I held the paper and pointed up at the security camera that looked over the area. He declined my offer to call a tow truck. I think it's pretty clear there really was no saving this guy in this scenario. Needless to say, if you go to a company and you buy something that weighs, admittedly, thousands of pounds, And one of the things they make sure they get you to sign is a cover your butt form that basically absolves them of liability if, for example, your truck breaks down because you want it loaded up like that. And then they start giving you advice saying, hey, this isn't going to work out. You might want to listen to it. The person working there that's helping load this pallet probably knows a little bit. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Jockster the Mighty. Move all the items that have logo on them to the new area we just cleared for them. Recently, keeping things vague because reasons, new orders came down in the warehouse to move crap from locations to other locations. Big boss stuff, don't care, I live to move crap around. Initial instructions were to move cargo with logo on them to new cleared locations. As for clarifications on the logo, on just stickers or on boxes also? Big difference. Boss said all logo cargo to the new area. Okay, started moving stuff slowly because I know that was wrong. Sure enough, when the next team lead came on duty, we were instructed to move only the stickered product. Luckily, I'd put all of the non-stickered stuff in another bay so I could move it all back really easy. Probably should've just smushed it all together, but I don't want to put undue hardship on my off-shift coworkers. I think the sad thing here is OP knows their boss well enough to know that they're probably screwing up this instruction. And our final story of the day is by Rabbit Rathian. don't leave the clearance section until you finish tidying it. Another tale from my retail job, which I recently quit Yay! while I procrastinate from my other work. This one's from about 15 years ago at my original store. I worked in the ladies wear section doing recovery basically tidying up and sometimes printing price tickets for the shelves if any were missing or torn. And though it was generally possible to get it finished within the time allotted for my shift, busy days or events such as Mother's Day or pre-Christmas slash Boxing Day sales turned it into a nightmare. As if the usual holiday shopping mess wasn't bad enough, The department manager, Stacy had, in all her infinite wisdom, decided to put all of the ladies wear clearance into the section at once. They actually did it for all the closed apartments, but most of them only had a small amount, so you could easily fit it all on the normal clearance racks. However, ladies wear had ended up with 10 times as much clearance as usual for this time of year because whoever decides what clothes will sell made crap choices and we ended up with mountains of horrid outfits marked down to a dollar even though most people wouldn't wear it if you paid them 50 bucks. Usually they would keep most of the excess stock out the back and just have a few racks of it in the section and as the stuff in the section sold and the racks got empty they'd be replenished for more stock from out the back. For some reason, Stacy decided she wanted all the ladies wear clearance to be available to customers at once, even though it didn't physically fit on the racks. Not to be deterred by stupid little things like logic and reason, she moved the regular stock from the main middle aisle of the section into other aisles, causing those to be overfull, and ordered the fill staff to put the clearance all along the middle aisle. When I say clothes were literally bulging off the shelf arms, I'm not exaggerating. You could barely even walk down the aisle without the first to 4-5 things on each arm falling off. And of course, if a customer wanted to look at anything further back on the shelf, they'd knock off most of the other stuff in the process. So there was constantly a several-inch-thick layer of clothes lying on the floor. This made it literally impossible to actually recover the clearance section properly. But generally, recovery staff were told to prioritize doing a pickup every hour or so and make sure there were no stock on the floor, and spend the rest of the time going through and recovering the section, making sure everything was in the right place and in the correct size order. So I had a shift on Boxing Day, and I would heard from the pre-shift huddle that one of the big regional managers was coming in to visit and inspect the store at closing time, and that we needed to make sure that the store was perfect. Not sure how that was meant to happen on Boxing Day and without the number of the staff we needed, but whatever. When I started my shift, 90% of the clearance clothing was on the floor. For most of the aisle, you couldn't even see the floor. I knew there was no way that I'd be able to keep the floor clean in the clearance section because my shift ended at the same time the store closed, i.e. anything I tidied up would immediately be destroyed by customers. So I decided that I would focus on getting the rest of the section presentable and then quickly try to pick up the clearance section and the last 10-15 to minutes of the shift before the store shut. At the start of my shift I did a half-hearted pick up and clearance and tried to shove most of the mess to the side a bit so it wasn't at least right in the middle of the aisle and then went to start the rest of the section, only to be confronted by Stacy. What are you doing? Have you seen clearance? Why aren't you fixing it? It's all over the floor. I say, yeah, because you put too much stock in there. I picked it up, but it falls off again because the shelves are too full and customers just knock it down as soon as I fix it anyway. They say, well, are you planning to do anything about it? I say, right now, I can't do anything about it. There's so many customers in the aisle, I can hardly get in there anyway. And since I can't keep clearance tidy with customers in the store, I figured I'd get the rest of ladies wear tidied and then pick up clearance at the end. She says, not good enough. You need to make sure clearance is off the floor and sorted properly. You know Bob, the regional manager, is due for a visit this evening. I said I understand that, but like I said, it's literally impossible to recover clearance because of how much stock is in there and how many customers there are. If I can at least do the rest of the area first, then it will only be clearance that looks a bit rough, and I can at least make sure everything's off the floor at the end of the shift. She says, you don't get to decide what you prioritize. You need to make sure clearance is perfect. I know no one likes clearance, but you need to stop making excuses to get out of doing it. So don't leave the clearance section until you finish tidying it. I say, okay. Five minutes before my shift ends and the store closes, the regional manager, Bob, shows up and is escorted around the store by the store manager, Mark, and Stacy. They stop in front of ladies' wear and Stacy just breathes, What the freak? You see, I had finished tidying clearance, though the shelves were still over full. None of the stock was on the floor in that aisle, and everything was in the right size order and hanging neatly. The clearance section was my magnum opus of recovery, if I do say so myself. However, the rest of the ladies' wear department had not been touched, since I couldn't finish tidying clearance until the store was pretty much closed, and I wasn't allowed to leave clearance until I did finish it. It meant the rest of ladies wear looked like a bomb had hit it, with stock all over the floor, clothes draped over the shelves instead of hung up properly, broken coat hangers everywhere and abandoned shopping baskets and piles of stock from other departments left lying around in the aisles. Bob and Stacy looked like they were ready to murder me, but Mark, who knew I was generally a good worker, asked why ladies wear was in such poor condition given that I was meant to have been recovering it for three hours. I explained, Stacy told me I wasn't allowed to leave the clearance section until I'd finished tidying it, but there's so much overstock and so many customers pulling things apart that most of the stock won't stay on the shelves. In one of those moments of perfect cosmic timing, right as I said that, one of the shelf arms behind me gave way with a loud crash, sending an entire rack of clothes to the floor. Mark just stared at me silently for a few seconds and then said to me, well, you've done well under the circumstances. You can go home." I'm not sure if Stacy got into any trouble, but nothing else was said about it to me by the store manager, and I never got any warnings or disciplinary action or anything. The following shift, more rails had been brought out from the back and placed in the central aisle of the store, and some of the clearance had been moved to those rails to free up space and ladies wear. Stacy refused to talk to me for about a fortnight though. It's almost like a perfect comedy bit. OP standing there explaining how there's just so much overstock, they try to do their best. Crash, bang, bang, plastic scattering, overstock clothes all over the floor, coat hangers splayed out. I can just imagine everybody silently turning around and staring at it, and then after a few seconds, OP says like, See what I mean? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to see another malicious compliance story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more